Welcome to the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you want to learn how to make money writing music for TV, films, and ads, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com today for a free video series all about how to write music specifically for use in TV shows, films, and commercials. Music, Money, and Life is the podcast that brings together the best minds in music licensing, music publishing, music marketing, and more together in one place. Learn how to license your music and market your music. Learn the latest cutting-edge techniques for getting your music heard and making money from your music. Learn directly from the musicians and industry insiders on the front lines of the music business. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. Every positive review helps us rise up the ranks in iTunes, gain more subscribers, and attract more and more great guests. And now, without further ado, here's today's podcast. Today's podcast is the audio version of a webinar I did for members of my premium site, htlympremium.com, with composer Dario Forzato. Dario is a composer who has written and produced music for film, documentaries, TV, commercials, video games, trailers, sports teams, artists, and much more. Dario has written and supplied music for TV shows including The Healer, Born This Way, Wicked Tuna, Undercover Boss, Man with a Van, Top Elf, and many, many more. Visit Dario's website, DarioForzatoMusic.com, for a full list of his credits. If you enjoy webinars like this one and want to access the full video version of this webinar and dozens more like it, be sure to join HTLYM Premium. That's H-T-L-Y-M, as in how to license your music, premium.com. If you join between now and September 6th, you'll get access to our upcoming 365-day music licensing challenge, which includes daily licensing leads for an entire year, dozens of webinars like the one you're about to listen to, dozens of in-depth courses about music licensing and music production, hundreds of audio interviews, and much, much more. HTLYM Premium is like a Netflix or Amazon Prime for the music licensing business. You'll get all the tools and resources you need to start making money by licensing your music in one convenient place. Visit htlympremium.com for more. Excellent. Well, listen, Dario, it's uh, 3 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Pacific. Let's go mm-hmm. ahead and uh, get started. I'm not sure how many people will, will be viewing this live, but again, this will be made available as a replay in the members area after this airs live. So hopefully quite a few people will, will, will check this out. So today I'm speaking with guitarist and composer, Dario Forzate. Am I pronouncing your, your last name correctly? Yeah, Forzato with an O. Yeah, Forzato. For, yeah. Forzato. That's the American that's, way. But that's uh, I like it too. <laughs> how do you how do you pronounce it? Uh, in the Italian, Italian, it would be Forzato. Forzato. Yeah. Speaking with Dario Forzato from, nice. from Italy, currently based in LA. And we were just talking before we uh officially started here. Dario has been in Los Angeles since 2010, moved uh, to LA from Milan in 2010. He's been super active in licensing. He's been scoring films. Um, Dario was referred to me by Eddie Gray, who's someone that a a lot of members to this website are already familiar with. And it sounds like you've been doing really well 
with licensing. So I thought we would start, Dario, by talking about what you've been doing in the licensing space over the last seven or eight years. You said you started in 2011 with a license in the video game Rocksmith. Maybe tell us that story and then tell us about some of the other licensing credits you've accumulated over the last few years. Yeah, so yeah, that that was definitely my my in into the licensing world. Uh, I used to play with um, with this band. It was my band, uh, an original project, um, and the band was called Raps Canyons, alternative rock band. You know, a mix of the Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters in a way. Um, and yeah, we got this opportunity to license this track of ours called uh, California Brain into the. Ubisoft video game Rocksmith, which is basically um, sort of a guitar hero, but where you can play with any real guitar. So into a PlayStation or Xbox, you just plug it in and play. You got all the different dots, color dots and notes. So you actually play the real songs with a real guitar. So I did all the video tutorials for, for that. I was hired from Ubisoft and that got me uh, an in to show the producers, you know, my band and especially this song that had a, had a nice guitar solo. By the way, you can find it online. I'm sure there's a, a lot of, you know, there's the official video, There's and then there's a lot of Rocksmith, you know, people playing Rocksmith on it, so uh, it's fun. So I showed it to the producers, they loved it, and they, you know, they offered us a deal, and, uh, you know, so we were, our track was in the, in the main video game, so people had to play it, you know, to, in order to advance. And we were uh, in good company with, with the Chili Peppers, Nirvana, Rolling Stones, Jack White, and all those rock and roll gods, I guess. So that, that was the first, the very first thing. And then, you know, I was mainly playing with my band. So we did a, a few other, other deals with Song Arc, with uh, Cars Jr., Harley Davidson. And then in the meantime, as we talked about earlier, I mean, I always had my little laptop and audio interface and a mic. And uh, so I started writing my own, you know, music, which is something that I've always done non-professionally, also when I was, uh, you know, younger, uh, but never, you know, put the, the right time and effort into it. So I started doing that. And... Uh, yeah, started, you know, licensing tracks to TV shows, a lot of reality TV shows, and that got me started to whole the whole thing, you know, scoring and licensing and custom composing for TV shows and reality TV shows. That's uh, that's mainly what I do now. Nice. So when you moved to Los Angeles in 2010, was your what were your musical goals? Was your ambition to play in a band and, and tour and, and do that sort of thing? Like, when did you decide to, to solely focus on li licensing? Well, when I moved to LA, I, I came here uh, to be a, guitar, a guitarist, a guitar player. And my original idea was to be a session player, you know, do studio work and touring with artists. That was my ideal, uh, my initial idea, because that was what you basically, you know, a successful guitarist would do in Italy. Then I met with my band and I, I, I gotta be honest, I never wanted to be in a rock band, but it felt great. I mean, it felt like the right people and the right, I really loved the music. And I had that creative aspect that it's always been in me, but I've never, 
kind of nurtured it or actually because it's it's a process you know you need to find yourself to find and in this case find who the band is the sound and experiment it's something that you don't do when you play for other artists you know you they have their sound and you kind of help them be themselves but you work in a different way you know you work in a project then you go on another project and you're something different well when you're a creator you gotta be a little more focused on who you are and what you do best and uh you know there's a lot of decision making like i am this i'm not that you know or that said you want to be as versatile as possible but uh there's you know that helped me a lot like being in a band helped help me a lot to find you know find the right voice i mean i'm still finding it don't get me wrong <laughs> it's, it's a never-ending process I'm but yeah but it's a very um i think that helped me a lot that helped me a lot to kind of get into that zone and uh so that was my initial idea and then i decided to to switch i mean i started doing you know the first my first licensing was around 2013 so about three years after i moved to la like two and a half years after i licensed that first you know song to to ubisoft and uh, and and I, I started to kind of anal analyzing and learning about the business and how to it's not just about the quality of your tracks and the professional you know how you deliver professionally some tracks which is obviously crucial and you learn that you know the more you do it the more you learn but um it's also about knowing where where you are and who are the players that play in this game so knowing who you should show the music to and who we you know who makes sense and who doesn't uh, you know at least as a general rule so yeah it's been like about five years that i've been doing this excellent so let's uh let's hone in on something you, you just said mm -hmm. who to show the music to knowing who the players are can you walk us through what that process was like in terms of figuring out who the right people to approach are how did you get started in, the, in this business and build traction and momentum to get to the point where you are now well the fair i mean the i started with a lot of you know tv placements and uh and and reality tv so the players in this case it's the companies like music libraries music a lot of music libraries you know they they take in tracks and then they place them others they they also work on custom composing so especially after you build a little Bit of a relationship with them so you kind of show them what you do and uh whenever they got some custom composing meaning you know they're working on a tv show and they need music uh written specifically for that show then it may be used for other things later on but it's fresh new music for that season of that tv show for example i just finished uh undercover boss season nine and 24 hours to hell and back on Fox with uh, Gordon Ramsay. Um, you know, those are all custom composers. They need a new music. And for that, you just, you know, I, I started building a relationship with companies that would get those jobs, you know, because at the beginning, you're like, how can I get a job like that? I mean, I'm just a, you know, aspiring composer in my bedroom working off my laptop. How do I get there? so i think that my way in was um, music libraries and companies music houses too i, I worked from you know collaborated with a music house 
um, doing commercials and demos. I learned a lot there, how to produce music, be efficient, having a system in place. Um, so yeah, hope that answers your question. I, I think so, but the, you know, there's a lot of music libraries out there. There's a lot of companies uh, that, that, that do this type of work. So how did you find the the right companies? Did yeah. you, were, were you just randomly yeah. pitching music to anybody and, and everybody? Yeah, at the beginning, I didn't know exactly what to do. That's why I had to learn. Yeah, yeah, I, I reached out to a lot of a lot of company, and Eddie Gray helped me out with that too. He, he's great at that. Um, I yeah, I was just going online and trying to find libraries, and because you know, at the beginning, I didn't know literally anybody in the business because all the people that I knew in the record industry, so the bands, the artists, managers. They, they couldn't help me that much because it's it's a different circle, you know, different players, different people, different decision makers, different gatekeepers. So that didn't help me. That actually didn't help me at all. Uh, it helped me as far as getting some placements with my band. So you know, I could show if I would reach out to companies like, hey, I wrote this song that was licensed to the New York Rangers and the LA Kings, and it's been played in all the arenas. That always help if you have, you know. A, curriculum resume you know having a history in, in, in the business definitely helps but uh yeah it started like just randomly reaching out to people other composers other uh, libraries and see what stuck uh, and uh, eventually I, I find you know those libraries that you know I gave up a lot of tracks that I haven't seen yet any revenue for you know it sometimes just have to it, it's very business i mean this whole thing is you try and you see what what happens that was my experience uh, starting from literally nothing i know that people that if you really know somebody that works at a company or a music house or a library and you know what they're doing then the thing is that about my experience with that, I would write a hundred emails and only three people would get back to me. Yeah. And, you know? uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's been, that's my experience. And I think most artists have, have a similar experience. How do you stay motivated during this process though? Th this can be, it's like on one hand, licensing is a very fast paced business. And in terms of music needs, you know, shows need music very quickly. But on the other hand, it's a very slow moving business in terms mm, of actually yeah. getting started and building momentum. And the story that, that you're relating is a very familiar story, but how did you stay motivated during this period? Because it just seems like it can be really frustrating, right? When you're trying to, to build momentum and, and earn money and make, make a living. How do you stay motivated during the, this initial period in the beginning? Uh, I mean, that's right on the money. I mean, that's that's hard. It, how do you stay motivated? You, I mean, I, I'm lucky. I was always lucky enough to support myself with music. So if I wasn't doing, you know, I wasn't licensing, I was at least playing music, you know, touring or, you know, playing shows here in, in L.A. So... I was still doing music, uh, which is, you know, pros and cons because, you know, music, especially playing live, it's very seasonal. You know, some some months they you do really well. You got a tour, you, you travel for six weeks, a month, two months, three months, four months, whatever. But then you stay at home and unless you get on the big tours, you know, you, the money that you earn on, on the road doesn't last for the rest of the year. So you still have to kind of keep yourself busy. And that's how I approach, you know, I started doing this. You just, I think you stay motivated by having 
a goal, an idea. And, you know, I know a lot of people that do other jobs in the meantime, and there's nothing wrong about it. You know, yeah. the important thing is the big picture. You know, it's not how you get there. It's, it's, if you have a goal, you get there and you do whatever it takes to get there. So, and you need to stay motivated, but that's not just at the beginning. I mean, I used to have to stay motivated always. And I always talk to, compo I always talk to composers that are more experienced than myself. And they're all, and they all say that you have to stay motivated throughout your whole career. Otherwise, uh, I mean, it's just part of the, I mean, you can't just relax. And I mean, at some point, I guess you can a little bit, but I enjoy also the other things in life, but it really needs a lot of drive and focus and keep the faith in it, but also being smart, you know, not just, I know a lot of people that, oh, I have faith that this is going to work. And then, you know, if you don't have a plan, it's not going to work. You really need to to make a plan, and if it's not moving the pace you want it to, like you were saying, you know, sometimes it's very slow and it takes time. My my suggestion for for aspiring composers is, in the meantime, that you wait for an answer or that you contact new people. Just keep writing, keep writing, build your own library that you're gonna sell later or you're gonna keep it for yourself. That's you know, depending on the business decision that you make, but keep writing. I think. If you want to be a composer, even if you do another job to support yourself, that could be in the music industry or not, at least two tracks a, a week, at least. Because, you know, once you become a professional, that becomes 10, 15. Easily it can be that, you know. Write, and write the best music that you can because that's what you're going to show people. And write whatever you feel most, I mean, you feel good at, you know, if you feel like you're a rock guy. That's how it started. You know, I, I was a guitar player. So I, I, it was easier for me to write stuff that was, and also more unique because, you know, I know how to play guitar. So not every, all composers know how to play guitar. So that's how I started. And I have acoustic guitars, dobros. So I started doing that and people started calling me up because of that, you know, oh, we need a track that's Southern tension, you know, like all those big drums and slide guitar. They knew I could deliver it and I can deliver it fairly quickly. And I got better and better, you know, four years ago it would take me like a day to write a decent sounding track now it takes me like three hours you know because you just do it so much that it becomes second nature nice and where are you well let's do this before we move forward i want to i want to tell people some of the places that you've ha had your music license because i know you've had your music all over the place and for people <laughs> who maybe aren't familiar with you already tell us some of the places over the last few years you've licensed your music well, I, I it, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, I remember. I can tell you the first ones because I remember those. Because then after that, you kind of keep track of where your music is. Yeah. I remember the first placements on TV were on uh, Duck Dynasty and a lot of the um, uh, Animal Planet shows, like uh, Pitbull and Parolis, I think. Those were one of the first, and I still see, I mean, they're still airing, and I see on my statement that those just keep, keep airing, and I, or, or my tracks keep getting placed in the new episodes, so those I remember. Then I remember the last, I mean, what I worked in the past year, I worked with, on uh, uh, Born This Way with Eddie, uh, did a whole season three, I did a bunch of cues there, I did The Healer with Eddie, uh, also did the, the main title for for the for the show. Um, that's definitely a highlight. And then I did, as I said earlier, uh, 
Undercover Boss season nine and um, 24 Hours to Hell and Back. Then I did Chris Lee Knows Best. Did a bunch of like un um, Unclassified on CNN. Uh, and then did a few cues on Queer Eye on Netflix. So I think it's a reboot of an MTV show. Did nice. a few cues for that. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, one of my biggest shows is Wicked Tuna. Wicked Tuna on National Geographic that, that I did uh, a lot of music for, like a lot. That was one of my first big, like where I got like a, a season with a lot of my music in it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it. As far as TV, that's it. Because, you know, that's that's the main, where you can get quantity is TV, you know. And, you know, with other tracks, you can get, uh, you know, you can get nice placements, uh, like with, a, with my band or with other artists. Like sometimes I get called, like I did a, the logo of uh, this Chinese product, film production company. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a, you know, a kind of a work for hire thing. You know, they call you up and you write music and uh, then you get paid. So that, that's a placement technically, you know. It's it's different, kind of a different thing, you know, but. Cool. Yeah, you don't have to uh, list your entire resume. I just want to give people <laughs> yeah. a good idea of where you've had your music licensed and used because I know I know you've been really active over the, over the last few years. You said something really interesting, though, prior to to going live on the webinar when we talked earlier today. You said something that I wanted to talk about. You said. There's a lot of luck in this business. I'm kind of paraphrasing what you said. You said there's a mm -hmm. lot of luck in this business. Sometimes you just get lucky and you land particular placements here and there. But when you learn the business, and I think you said something like when you learn to crack the code, then things get a lot a lot easier. Can you talk about what you meant by that? What do you mean by, what does it mean to crack the code of, of the licensing business? And I apologize, but I've, yeah. I've got to put, put these sunglasses on. It's, I can't even see you right now. The ah, yeah. go, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> so, um, looking fresh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Now I, I, now actually I still can't see you, but, uh, at least the sun's on in my eyes. What did you mean? What do you mean by crack the code of the licensing business? I mean, I think it refers first of all to what you, you were saying that we were talking about earlier. There's there's luck in this business, uh, but you uh, that's that's my my two cents on the whole thing. You, a first of all, you build your own luck. Uh, so, I, I mean, of course, there's like straight luck, like something that, like for example, that placement I did on Ubisoft, that was lucky. I mean, it, it was lucky that I got to do the video tutorials. You know, they did an open casting call and they chose me. They, they could have not, I mean, they chose me, of course, because I was probably the right person. And amongst the candidates, they felt like I was the right person. But it's like, not because I was the the, the, the most, you know, I wasn't Steve Vai or, you know, Joseph Triani. Uh, they didn't need, like, it's not just about, that was a little lucky, you know, it, I just got that. And uh, and it was a great experience that, that you cannot control, something that you cannot control, you know, it's, but then after that, what you can control if that besides doing what you were supposed to do i mean you're, you were hired to do you you know build a relationship with whoever is is in charge in this case or can make a decision and you you, you give them what you have but also that it's like what do you have uh 
Because like a lot of people, they, I mean, and me concluded when I was at the beginning, I didn't have much to show. I, I in, in theory, I could do it because I knew I could do it, but you also need to have something. And that's part of the hard work, you know. Uh, I know I can do some things, but until you do them and you show other people that you can do them, that you have a credibility, yeah. it's, it's, it's all about that, you know. So hard, that's the other part, it's hard work. It's like, yes, it's luck. But if you put a lot of hours and in, into your work and making sure your tracks sound great, they're original, they, they're original, but they also fit in a certain style and, you know, they can be used and placed for visuals. That's all about it. You know, your career is going to depend on luck, but also on the hard work, you know, and on luck, you can land maybe that placement that makes you 50K, but... The hard work is gonna make you know with the hard work you're gonna make those thousand tracks that are gonna generate way less than 50k every placement, but they're gonna generate it more like for years. You know that's and it's gonna create the bulk of what's gonna allow you to 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 keep going in this business. Yeah, they're gonna earn less per placement, but over time, those are the tracks that could potentially build a viable career that right, you could exactly. live on for for the rest of your life. Let's talk. You you said something really interesting you, you you said it's not enough to just know you can do something you need to actually do it you need to build a catalog you need to write songs that work in licensing um can you talk about that like sort of how you figured out what to write what to focus on how to write tracks that that actually work because i feel like a lot of composers are kind of shooting in the dark that you know there's a lot of composers that have nice tracks and they have decent sized catalogs but maybe they don't necessarily work for licensing how did you figure out what to write that actually works well uh i, I want to take you a step back from what you just said uh, i think one you need to find what you're good at because you know music because that was one of my problems at the beginning i've always been very versatile because probably coming from the you know playing for artists you know i had to play this and that and also cover bands you play this and play that you, you learn it which is great as far as taking it in i feel like whenever you eat music you absorb music you hear music you have to listen to everything but you cannot output everything it'll yeah. just come out as nothing special you know you need to find the things that you really like and you're really good at for example i love edm i'm not i don't write edm I mean, it would take me so much time to do something that it's decent and believable, you know, that it has some credibility. So, but you know, at the beginning I wanted to do this and that, but then I kind of, what really struck me was this conversation with this producer um, that I was working with at the time with my band, Rep Scallions, and his name is Matt Wallace. He did Faith No More and Maroon 5, the first record. And I remember that, um, I was talking to him and I was like in total awe with this guy. He's one of my, you know, musical idols. And and I was telling him, oh, I can do this, I can do that. And then after a little bit I was talking, I was like, yes, but what are you really good at? That really, I stopped and I sort of had to think about it. But actually that question, I took it with me for, I mean, I still take it with me and sometimes I stop and I say, yeah, but what are you really good at? And that kind of uh, narrows down to what is your style, what you really, what is really going to make you sound different or at least better than than the others. Meaning, you know, 
and it, it, that's what I started seeing. Okay, I'm like, okay, I know I can do orchestral stuff, but let's face it, I don't have right now the right programs. I, I need more knowledge to do that. So I was like, okay, let's start with doing something that I can do really well, or at least if I put a lot of time in it, I can you know get better and better and do really well and do successfully. So that's how I started. I started doing all the rock stuff, you know, rock and blues and um, you know and all the hybrid genres that require guitars, acoustic guitars, a lot of acoustic tracks, and that's what got me in with a lot of companies. Then you know once you have a genre that you you kind of nail and you know how to produce and you become quicker and quicker because that's also the thing about a lot of these tracks you know there are some tracks where you really want to put a lot of time in them but other tracks where you need to find the right feel you're not reinventing the wheel you're just trying to find what works for that specific tv show or for that specific you know, job for whatever it is. It could be a commercial or you just need to find, because basically what you're doing, you're supporting the visuals. You're not writing, writing concert music where, you know, you're not just writing music for yourself. You're writing music that works with the visuals. And that's something that we have to keep in mind always. Because, uh, you know, we always want to do the cool thing or the different thing, but, and sometimes that's very successful, but sometimes you also got to find the right blend of what, it's new and what it's what works and what doesn't because a lot of times when tried something i'm actually right now working on on a demo and i tried something that's a little different i'm i kind of like it but i know if other people are gonna like so i'm like trying to evaluate what's what's the line you know are they gonna perceive it that way is it really gonna help the visuals that because that's the question the main question so i think we have i mean as writers for visuals even if you write for like tracks that are not married and it's not scoring but you're writing tracks that are going to a library or your own libraries and then get licensed you have to keep in mind what you where you want to place them and how they can serve the the visuals because that's the whole the whole thing that's what you have to keep in mind always and always how and and that's if you watch a lot of TV or commercials, depending on the market you want to go into. I, I recommend watch that. You want to go into get into reality TV, watch reality TV. It helped me a lot. I never watched reality TV, I gotta be honest. <laughs> but when I started working in that business, I started watching it. And besides finding some shows that I really like, I started understanding why editors and music editors started using those tracks in those situations and what could work. What I, what I I was expecting, but also was I was not expecting. Like, oh, look at that! Like a track like this can be used for this. I can write. I mean, next time I'm gonna write something similar to that. You know, you you start expanding. It's like a language, basically. You know, it's you're learning a new language. I mean, music is a language. You know, and you learn how to use certain words in certain times and expand your vocabulary and uh, the way you can build things. And 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 that's it, pretty much. I hope I didn't digress too much. <laughs> no, no, no. You said a, a lot of really good, good stuff. I think one of the things I wanted to pick apart a little bit is you said, figure out what it is you're really good at. And mm -hmm. I think that's really good advice. But I'm wondering what if what you're really good at isn't necessarily a good match for, for licensing. So when you started writing music for reality TV shows and all these different TV shows, did you find the music that you were naturally good at writing was already aligned with these different types of projects or did you have to modify and tweak and change your approach to composition 
to make those songs work for these these new shows that you you were working on yes but that's part of that technique i think that what you're good at is a is a is a big because you're gonna be good at different things you know uh, the thing is that it's yes you learn i learned a lot from from especially as far as structure as far as being detail oriented and doing certain tricks that it's what you know it's what work in this uh that would work in this business i mean in, in this situation you know reality tv but also scoring for for film and commercials all of that but um i don't know if you if you wanna it's, it comes back to what i said earlier if you want to work in this business you have to make sure that what you do and what you write serves something else which is in this case visuals and don't get me wrong there's so many there's so much music there's like almost any kind of music can be placed almost any kind of music of course if you do something very different very that's a double-edged sword it can be super successful and you could be the only one in the world doing it and you can it can be never used or you can be used 20 years after you died or 20, 20 years after you created it so yeah, that's about you know risking you know it's a risk that's why i personally like to do both things you know having a bulk of music that i know that works for a certain things and it's gonna make me live which don't get me wrong i love doing that it's like it's not that uh you know oh that's just you know writing shitty music or you're writing stuff that's for other things but it's not yourself well that's myself you know i, I took a lot of pride in what i do and uh, i always try to do the best that i can uh in, when i write a track but uh that said you you also, you also i what i that's my approach i always try to keep and do things that are more like passion projects and things that are more on the side that where i experiment more and i try to do things that I wouldn't do on a on on a track or music that I that whose goal is to be placed, and a lot of times and, and that requires time experimenting with things, and a lot of times I experiment ten things, only one works, but that one thing then I use for 20, 30, 50 tracks that gets placed. Oh, look at that! I learned that trick with that plugin and that guitar. Oh, that sounds cool, you know. And then you you, you use that what you learn because what you are, you're like a you're a craftsman. You're crafting, you know, your little statue, you know. And then you learn the trick to do that thing and that thing. So then when you go into mass production, you know that thing because you experimented it. But then you can you know do it very quickly on other tracks and that, that that's gonna help creating your style because you know there's all these tricks that you know some of them they're you know some tricks that it's like tricks that use everybody like the reverse piano <laughs> on before a cut but there's also other tricks that you know i proud myself in finding i don't know if i'm the only one who found that of course but you know that's definitely more unique i have my own tricks and you know eddie has his own tricks and the other composers have their own tricks but that requires some just you know experimenting with things so having also your music that's a little more artistic in a way i always even with my music try to picture visuals because that's i always like marrying music to visuals and i think the 
I got to be honest, the business is going towards that direction because now with virtual reality and all the content on, you know, social media, you name it, you name it, video games, it's, it's all about, I think that, you know, just listening to music is something that we're gonna, it's gonna be less and less common, especially newer generations. Uh, you know, they wanna, yes, they listen to music, but combined with other things. Yeah, I just placed my first track in a virtual reality video game. You see? Uh, about a month ago, a couple nice. months ago. Nice, congrats. Yeah, congrats. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Well, that's gonna open up. I That's my, my, my belief. I may be completely wrong, but I feel like eventually, you know, movies and video games and virtual reality, they're all going to combine. And we're, a lot of people are going to live in that world a lot, you know, with call it blockchain. I mean, I want to get into that, but, you know, there's going to be like a parallel universe almost. And that universe needs music. And until they figure <laughs> yeah. out programs that can create automatically music, and there's going to be those too. Uh, it's a, it's a somewhat scary proposition, but um, the technology is definitely coming um the technology is there it's there and that's gonna be a lot of music i mean if you think about how netflix changed and you know net i say netflix but also amazon video on demand uh, no amazon prime i guess or uh hulu too they're producing netflix especially a lot of new content that was unheard of i mean 10 years ago there were like a certain amount of tv shows now there's way way more and i know hbo is doing that to say you know it's doing the same so yeah there's, there's gonna be another, another, way more content in the future yeah it's all gonna be well like and and that's the thing right there's so much competition in the music industry i mean there's so many musicians out there you know trying to make a living with music but there's also an enormous amount of content so oh, yeah you know, in some ways, there's never been more opportunities. It's just figuring out how to get your foot foot in the door. Um, I wanted to I want to shift gears though. You, I'm assuming Dario, just from talking to you today, that you that you produce your own music. You have a home yes. studio. Am I okay? When did you? I mean, this is obviously super common in the the licensing industry. Eddie works like this. There's a lot of composers that are essentially composers composers slash producers right like you're really wearing several different hats when did you start producing your own music yes i mean nowadays producers they have to do it all you know from from writing to producing to mixing to i mean to recording to make editing mixing everything you know and then of course if there's a, a project with you know where you can outsource some of these that's great because collaborating i think it's one of the best things about this business you know you collaborate with different musicians engineers and and i try to do that as much as i can whenever i, I cannot mix my tracks uh even it sometimes it's risky because you don't know who's the mixer but you know if you trust them it's always good to have a different set of ears because they could you know you can get stuck in your thoughts process i guess so it's always good to to outsource in my opinion whenever you can but that said there's a lot of project with budget doesn't allow it so you just do it all i've kind of always produced my tracks you know from the very beginning when i had when i did it non-professionally in italy with cubase 2 i believe and you know writing tracks and trying to figure out how to eq and uh working with stylus rmx and all that and then eventually got better and but yeah, I mean, nowadays there's no composer that works with pencil and paper. Maybe the 
John Williams, but that's like different. Let's say like no composer of the new generation. It's it's very it's a very technical business. It's it's based on computers and being able to have a nice workflow and being able to produce things, you know, to record at least at a good level. You know, there need to be an engineer that can work at Abbey Road or you know, <laughs> or on a scoring stage. But you need to be able to record guitars and uh, vocals and uh, you know some cello or percussion. That's what I do. I have mics here at my studio, and that's where I record. Of course, if I have to record something more complicated uh, that requires more detail, then you have to get budget for it outsource it but you have to be able to to know the whole process and to deliver something professional from a to z uh so yeah you, you wear different hats and that's part of it yeah and you said you've always more or less produced your own music so it wasn't like a hard transition to, to go from just performing and playing guitar to producing it sounds like you were, you were doing it all along yeah i was kind of i don't I don't want to say lucky, but I always liked working with a doll and recording my things. I mean, I've always done it since I was, I think my first doll was Cakewalk when I was in high school and I was programming MIDI and I don't know. I felt always when I was also learning a new thing on guitar, I would need to, I was coming up with a song for it or, you know, a piece, an instrumental piece. And then I, at that point I had my computer. So I was recording on different dolls that I had started tying. Nothing professional, of course, but uh, that helped me kind of understand how to work with the doll, you know, a recording, arming the track and, you know, starting the cue, compressor. But then it's until I really, I really, decided to switch gears and go into this professionally and and because you know at some point you have to be um uh how to put it object i mean you have to you know stop and say okay are my tracks really up to par with what's out there or with what i want my things to sound and you know a lot of times there's a lot of i want to say ego but you know your songs are your child, you know, your children. So you, you want to, you know, you kind of attach to them, but you have to be kind of look at them from a producer perspective and say, okay, what's really working and what's not. And that's back to where you're good at, you know, because if you see that your orchestral, you know, mock-ups, your orchestral tracks, they're not up to par with what's out there in other, you know, TV shows, libraries, you name it. Then you're like, either I step up my game or maybe this is not what I should start with. That's why my decision was like, okay, I'm not going to do orchestra now. I'm, gonna, I'm doing it now, but I'm, I, I was like, okay, let's use what's, what, what I'm good at and what I have like, good instrumentation for. I had guitars because I was a guitar player, so I had nice guitars. Like I should record these guitars and then program drums on them. I mean, also, I've always recorded and produced the demos for my band. So, I, I you know, that helped a lot because I, I was doing that for, you know, for the band. And so I learned a lot of tricks for that. And then I translated it in the, in the producing my tracks and, you know, more for visual kind of work. And, yeah, that, that's that's it pretty much. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there's so many, like, one of the interesting things about having these conversations is there's so many different sort of, 
things that we could touch on that I feel like are, are important for composers and music, musicians. One of the things you said earlier, you know, we were talking about, you know, how long it took you to, to get to where you are now. And, you know, now it sounds like things are going really well for you. I mean, I don't know exactly how much money you're making, but it sounds like you're doing this, but you said some, something like it's, you know, it's still sort of stressful. And I feel like as a musician, it's hard and especially with licensing because the way you get paid is is sort of weird you get paid quarterly through your pro and then things fluctuate so what i'm getting at is how do you deal with the sort of stress and the ups and downs of this lifestyle because i feel like that's a really important component and i feel like that's something that we should talk about yeah yeah it is stressful i mean what i always recommend is I mean, you have to embrace it at some point. Uh, I, I used to complain to myself a lot, but not complain, but saying, hey, I mean, damn, I have to wait like a year before I see the royalties of this and this and that. But uh, that's part of the business. You have to be able to, that's it. Everybody is in the same problem. If you, that's, that's it. I and mean, there's no, you have to just embrace it and have a plan to tackle it. So if it's, uh, if it's having another job or having something that sustain you, you, the thing is that you need to invest. This in this job, you need to invest. There's no you need to invest in gear. You need to invest in time and uh, and that and that's it. You know, and, you know, and knowledge too, <laughs> and being able to. You need to invest, and it takes a little time. It's not a business where you just do like a one year investment and you see the results right away. Uh, you can maybe get a nice placement that one year, but then, you know, you, you what you want to do is have a career. So, and that comes down to what we said. I mean, I have friends that, like me, they started, they got into this business because at the beginning they had like that lucky break. Like for me was that video game, you know, you got a good chunk of money and you're like, oh, that's fucking great. I love it. <laughs> I should do more of this. And then you understand that it's, you don't always get those, big you know opportunities but what you can build as i said earlier is all those little opportunities but they're like way more and they're going to keep you busy for the rest of the year so the way i you know i i try to handle like a, a down moment is by working and building towards that uh right now i don't have many down moments which is which is good uh but i wish i had a little more i gotta be honest because I, I i have a couple projects that passion products that I really want to finish. And I'm always like, okay, this week it's going to be, you know, a little more less stressful. I'm going to do this, this and that. And then, you know, work comes in and I'll by, you know, by Monday, by Tuesday, actually Tuesday morning, the, the week is filled up. And I'm like, okay, I got to postpone it another week. But uh, that's how you do it. But keep, keep being productive and working on your art. What is a typical day like for you, Dario, at this point, do you have, a typical routine on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis does it yeah. change yeah yeah i i found with myself that um i mean just to step back a little bit I, as i said i'm a guitar player when i was 10 years ago my my routine was not having a routine you know one day i was going to play you know come you know come back home like at 8 a.m after you know playing the whole night or you know playing four hours from home and I mean it was a very artistic let's call it that way like what people would expect rock and roll 
But uh, when I approached this business, I found that having a routine kind of helps you uh, a being creative and also being productive. Uh, you, I, I really think there. I mean, there's some moments of the day where I'm definitely more productive. So I, and for me is uh, early in the morning and uh, and in the evenings. Now I have a family, so I have to make decisions. So I, I made decisions of coming in here fairly early. I mean, I'm here usually around eight, eight thirty at my studio because my studio is like it's not at home. Okay. But uh, so I work whole day. You know, some days longer, some days a little less, and I try to do as much as I need to here. Then I go home and do all the admin work, emails. You know, whenever I'm home, so I can kind of stay a little bit with the family and deal with that and not have you know the stress of oh i have my dog here i need to absolutely record or make those stamps or change that or because that's the thing a lot of times you just get sucked into it you know sometimes you you could make a thousand revisions to yourself also like oh i want to change this and that and then it takes just forever having that like uh, a certain routine helps me like i say okay now at five i need to go home or six and do all the email work and stay a little bit with my family. That helps me be more, uh, more productive. So when I'm here, I just fly through things and I make make decisions quickly because that's the thing. At some point, you have to start making decisions, and that's also experience. You know what, what works and what doesn't. At the beginning, it takes a little more because you don't know if that's going to work. But uh, having a routine to me is crucial. It's crucial, and also when I eat, changes a lot. Uh, you know how I. I mean, my productivity and my creativity a lot. So I notice, for example, if I eat too much on lunch or if I eat too late, either I eat very late or I, or I have to eat early. Uh, I don't know. That works for me. You know, either I have lunch at noon or I have lunch at three. But uh, if I have lunch at one thirty, then kind of, then I after that, I, I my, my brain is just stops working. You know, I, I, it takes me forever. And it becomes frustrating, maybe if you're taking forever to write that line or to record it because you're a little slow and you're not moving correctly. So, but you know, I know every person is different. But I kind of noticed talking to a lot of other composers that usually it's a fair and it's a common thing that you know mornings and nights are more creative, while afternoons they're more for other things. <laughs> Yeah. Like Taking admin care. work or emails yeah. or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I did a blog post a couple of years ago about writers, not of music, but writers, like authors that write novels and, and mm -hmm. fiction, that having a routine was one of sort of the keys to success in that industry, that just having just the consistency of sitting right. down for X number of hours per day and just doing the work. And I would imagine the same is true in the music business. Just, just the consistency of getting up every day and working on your craft makes. Yeah, makes sense. I, I'm glad to know that. I mean, I, nobody ever told me, you know, this thing, and I'm glad to hear that. You know, also in other industry, they're doing that. It means that there's some, some, some truth in it. Uh, I just experienced it myself. You know, whenever you start not having, you know, I started with zero routine at all, and then I was. It was too inconsistent, and when I started to say, "Okay, let's start having this routine and doing this, this, and that," definitely helps. Definitely helps. You when you, you you see the results, they're they're there, right in front of you.
Yeah, and the results, it might take a while before you see the payoff, but if you do things consistently, I mean, the same is true in terms of entrepreneurship, you know, mm -hmm. working for yourself. I kind of apply, apply the same mindset. There's things that I need to do and can do on a regular basis that I don't necessarily make money from right away, but if I do it over time, I see the long-term benefits, and I think that the same is true of music. I mean, it's just sort of yeah. obvious. If you I want mean, to- you're in a, you're in a you're an entrepreneur, basically. I mean, whenever you're a composer, you're you have your Absolutely. own business and you need to take care of it. And that means also, you know, you're all the departments until you can hire somebody to do it for you. You know, you're the composer, the producer, the salesman, the 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 administrator, your your secretary, <laughs> you're you're everything. You have to do it all. That's why it takes a lot of hours. I remember when I started, I, I was working, I'm still working a lot. But when I started, I, I needed to really work like double shift basically, because there was so much going on that I had to take care and 16 hours were not enough, you know. It's just that you have to do it because there's so many, many things and you want to learn you know, how to create better tracks. So you spend time looking at EQs and compressors and then learning a new DAW, learning the new thing. And that's the fun part, because that's the fun part. That is not the fun part sending emails and trying to find, you know, the, the the music libraries, as we talked earlier, you know, music library, the clients and this and that, and then frustration that they don't get back to you, that you have to find a way to, to you know, follow up. That, that's the, I think that's the topic, the art of following up emails. That's, mm -hmm. I think, it should be a mm -hmm. webinar just for that, because I think that's crucial. And a lot of people, you know, make mistakes as far as that, me included, when I started. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many things that you need to learn and get in place. That's why yeah, no, that, that's plan. something. It's important. Yeah, you were saying. And, and I was just going to ask if you could talk a little bit about that. I mean, that's something over the years that I've talked a lot about, and I recommend that you do is, is follow up and stay on top of yeah. your submissions. Um, what advice do you have as far as that goes? You know, talking to people, and that reminds me of me at the beginning, you know, there's some sort of, you're kind of af afraid of following up, meaning, you know, I send this guy an email, he's not getting back to me, oh, he's probably not interested, oh, I don't want to look like the guy who's begging for work, or is begging for my tracks. Yes, there's the risk of looking like that, but if you phrase it properly, and if an Italian guy can phrase it properly, then any <laughs> of you can do it, it's... You know, following up is an important part because there's so many reasons why people that work in this industry, they don't get back to you. And it doesn't mean that it's because they don't like your songs. It's just because they're busy. 99% of the times it's because they're busy. You know, it's if they don't get back to you, it's probably because they were in a meeting and they saw your email on the phone and then they're like, oh, okay, well, I'll look at it later. And then it gets lost, and you know, because they got another... 25 emails in the meantime and then they're just busy so that's why you need to kind of follow up say hey two weeks ago i sent you this email with this music and and also be proactive you know if they don't get back to you you have to be smart with it because you can also look like the guy who's you know too insistent and a stalker but if you do it the right way and you show that you're genuine and that you have something to offer because that's the, the thing it, it, you know, a lot of people reach out to other people saying, hey, this is what I do. It's all about themselves. You know, it's all about my music. Listen to my music. It hasn't to be like that. It's like, what can I do for you? You know, there's a whole, a whole thing about they need you. They may need you. So what can you do for them? 
It's like you have something yeah. to offer, which is your music, you know. It's like in so making a little bit of research before that, it's like, okay, that's music that music supervisor works in those shows. So he needs music like that. Hey, I have the right music for you. And if they don't get back to you, it may not be personal. Oh, of course, make sure your music sounds great, you know, sounds really good. You know, just listen to one of their tracks, the tracks that they work with and compare it A, B and it has to sound that good otherwise you're just blowing a contact uh but when you're ready you know and you feel like you're ready contact them and uh and if they don't like you follow up follow up in with it in a smart way of course as i said you know i usually follow up after, after two weeks then after a month then after a couple of weeks and uh and that's crucial because I, I got stuff from it i got i, I got sometimes they never got back to me even if uh, you know uh, <laughs> even if i followed up a thousand times but it didn't get back to me and that was a matter after a while you just stop you know also because other people they're gonna get back to you at some point and say hey do you have this do you need that i mean it's an industry where people need music as we said there's a lot of content out there we need music and we need to be reliable and you need to be to be able to communicate with people be fast not solve problems that's the main thing you need want to solve problems you don't want to create problems this business already has a lot of problems especially if you're working with the making movies or like in my also like a tv show you know they have a lot of moving parts and you know the actors and the production post-production and this the sound the music the sound effects and you don't want to be the guy who, who creates problems you want to be the one to solve them so if you approach people like that like i'm here to solve problems for you do you need anything from me i do this this and that that's more likely to to succeed than just saying oh i do this you know this is my music it's like yeah, yeah it's help like me. handing out CDs. help me exactly it's like right. no i mean you help me because these people they, they're working and they want to you know they're just just doing charity they want to if you offer them help they, they may be more likely to, to say yes what do you have uh, you know yeah. they, they're all I mean, it. Th this is a theme that that has been brought up so many times on my podcast that i feel like for those of you listening to this if you're familiar with my podcast you've definitely heard this this idea before but i feel like this must be a real problem in the industry that people just aren't approaching people this way because i hear this over and over and over from people in the yeah. business that people just they don't have this mindset you know maybe it's sort of uh maybe a lot of musicians are sort of narcissistic but the cool thing is that you build this mindset i yeah. I, I didn't i didn't i didn't have it I was like, oh, I have music and I just approach people. This is what I do. You know, it's it's normal. It's a very common thing because it's normal. You know, you think you're doing something special or you think or you don't know. That, that's the, the work part of it. That's what you need to learn. Now, you know, I, I always say it. Making music is the fun part of it. And it's the easy part of it. I mean, it's mm. not easy. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a difficult art. But that's the easy part of this job. That's think about it. it's fun it's fun you're working with music and making you know tracks and sounds and experimenting that's fun that's that's really cool what but the job is not just that that's just a, a part of it the, the real job and that's how you know the successful people from unsuccessful people. i think that's the what makes the difference you know being able to adapt to situations and to evolve and understand what's needed to make sure that your music is not just on an stays on a hard drive at your studio or home studio it goes out there and uh, and and 
and generates money. And for that, I think just to open a little like a last uh, a little like a last subject, um, I, my recommendation is partner up with people. Partner up because you're what, gonna, what, what, what do you mean by that? Partner up with with what type of people? With who? It could be anybody from another writer to another mixing engineer if you feel like your engineering skills or mixing skills are not up to par in that moment uh partner up with a producer that wants to you know to to give you feedback on your tracks uh in exchange for something of course or you know partner up with music libraries and publishers that they're gonna get your music out there you know something that i they told me at the very beginning and it took me a while to figure out, but they told me it's better to have 50% of something than 100% of nothing. So, you know, the beginning, I think one of the mistakes is that we're very, a little bit narcissistic, as I said, but also like very attached to our tracks. Oh my God, this is my track. I don't want to give the publishing away, you know, but you have to look at the big picture and say, okay, what makes sense on a business side, you know? Yeah. Do I want to keep publishing for this or do I not? You know, there are tracks that I don't want to give publishing away. I want to keep in my own library. And there are the tracks that I sell publishing and there are the tracks that I give publishing. It's just a matter of who, I, who I'm partnering with. You know, if I'm partnering with something that I, you know, that I know it would make sense, you know, I, I do it. It's all business decisions and you have to keep that in mind. And remember, if you're serious about this, you're going to write so much music in your life that... <laughs> It's like you can be attached to, uh, you know, your 15 tracks. I mean, you're gonna, there's going to be the tracks that you're attached to, don't, don't get me wrong. But, you know, partnering up with a music library, with a publisher, those are crucial, you know, especially to get started. Then you, whenever you become Hans Zimmer, you, can, you have more leverage in the business and you can do work can differently. Demand, demand more money. Yeah, I, th I also think it helps just in, in terms of building morale and... and in momentum like one of my main partners yeah. is my my producer gary gray who i'm sure all of you know at this point but it's great having someone who's sort of on your side that you can i mean we skype every couple of weeks and we talk about projects we're working on and where we are with things and i find that it's really helpful in this in industry to have people like that because it can be a very sort of solitary business you know if you're in your home studio making music by yourself it can get kind of lonely. So I think just in terms of, of uh, just socially, it's nice to have people that you're working towards a common goal together with. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And for example, Eddie is one of those people for me. Yeah. I have those three, four people that, uh, you know, I talk to every, even if I don't see in the well, that, that much because they live somewhere else or even eddie lives here in la but different parts of town and you know here in la the traffic is horrible so you never go out of your neighborhood you never drive five miles because it could take you three hours but you know we talk every week and you know you want to hear what they're doing what you're doing as you were said it create you know build a community around you other people that are like-minded people that do this and can work you know like you with you it's it's very important absolutely absolutely um well listen dario we're at about an hour we made it to an hour i want to thank you for uh, coming on the webinar today really well thanks for having me it was a pleasure i hope this you know these tips or tips are gonna help you know people reach their goals i'm sure they will and let's tell people your website as well so if people want to learn more about you and your music what is your website address? So my uh, website is uh, Dario Forzato Music at 
uh, in, uh, yeah, music.com I was about to give up my email. <laughs> so yeah, Dario Frazada is uh, D-A-R-I-O-F-O-R-Z-A-T-O. Excellent. Uh, yeah, there's all music and I'll, stuff there. Excellent. And I'll link below the webinar so people can go directly yeah, to your exactly. website. So Dario, thank you so much. Uh, don't hang up. I'm going to end the live broadcast, and then I want to talk to you real quickly. So thanks okay, everyone who, who attended, and we'll see you on the next live webinar. Take Sounds care. good. Bye, everyone.